Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Hello, good morning, good evening, um, or good afternoon as well. Welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast, where we talk about cultural differences within a business uh, concept or context as well. We are on episode number 13, and the guest today is Dr. or Professor Dr. Giampaolo Viglia. He is a senior lecturer at the University of Bournemouth in the United Kingdom and professor at the Toulouse Business School. He is mainly interested in consumer decision-making, pricing and overconfidence. And it, this is going to be a really interesting um, interview because we talk about how people make car choices based on their cultural background and we talk about hotels and airlines how they can actually benefit from taking cultural differences into account Um, think about uh, booking.com or tripadvisor or airlines like ryanair for instance and the funny and or the funny maybe the, the interesting aspect is and we also will talk about that in the south of Europe, the so-called one-star reviews, the more one-star reviews you have for a certain hotel, the better you will do um, with, with respect to a hotel that has fewer, uh, maybe two or three-star reviews. And that's maybe very counterintuitive, but uh, Giampaolo is going to explain everything to you and to us in uh, in the interview. If you do like what we do here at the Culture Matters podcast, then we would be um, really, I would be really delighted if you could leave a uh, an iTunes review. You can do this by going to iTunes and then search for the Culture Matters podcast, search for Culture Matters and leave uh, preferably a five-star rating if you can. That would be really appreciated. Thank you so much. Let's move straight to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters Podcast. Good morning and welcome, Giampaolo. How are you? What's up? Fine. I'm in Italy. Unfortunately, it's almost time to start, but uh, vacation uh, finished. But uh, okay, it's fine. Okay. Well, uh, you're, um, you're, uh, I'm very welcome to be a guest on the Culture Matters podcast here or the online radio, as we would call it, the alternative to, uh, to people who might not know what podcasting is. Giampaolo um, Viglia, you're the first Italian uh, citizen being on the show here. We've had somebody from France, a couple of Americans, and um, uh, of course, a couple of Brits as well. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where do you come from? Where are you now? And what is, so to speak, your cultural frame of reference? Yeah, so I would say that I'm, I'm a good fit for your podcast because uh, despite being Italian, I studied my PhD in Spain and then I will move to UK. So I had, uh, I had the occasion to visit uh, several countries during my research, going to the US for a while. And, uh, and yeah, so um, essentially I finished my PhD at university uh, Pompeu Fabra, where uh, um, I was postdoc till uh, one month ago, mm-hmm. and now I plan to go to UK. 
So you're, and that means you're going to work in the United Kingdom as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. Uh, how and and how? What will be your cultural frame of reference? What other countries have you? How long have you lived in Spain? How long have you already lived in the UK potentially? I've lived in UK for one year more or less, and in Spain for four years. Uh, while I visit US for uh, let's say eight months. Okay. But it's enough to get a sense of a culture. I think that eight months is enough, was enough to, to get a sense of their culture. Okay, well, out of these three countries, Spain, the UK and the United States, what was your biggest culture shock there? Well, I would say that uh, the part of Spain uh, where I was, Barcelona, is very similar to uh, my environment, yet with some differences. So essentially, the north of Italy is not so different from the, from the north of Spain, Barcelona, while of course, if you go in the south, then you, you see completely different attitudes. In Italy? In, uh, yeah, also in Italy and, uh, and in uh, any space. So I would say that... Uh, the south of Spain is very similar to the south of Italy, yeah. while the north of Spain is very similar to the north of Italy. So there are not many, many differences. But then we will go in detail and I will tell you that on some dimensions uh, from my research, uh, I've seen uh, some differences between these two cultures, despite being quite similar. Okay. While uh, in UK, I, I saw a completely different uh, environment. Uh, people generally are more shy they tend to they tend to um, go at six at night uh, <laughs> and um, yeah so the environment is different they are they are much more uh, work oriented let's say so they yeah. they really care about their jobs so they try to they try to stick to the schedule they they always tend to be on time um, they are really afraid uh, to impress negatively or boss so it's it's a kind of different environment while in uh, in US I would say that um, I got the impression that everything is big enormous uh, and um, and so people have uh, have completely uh, a different sense of time. They have uh, many many big places. Also, the university are, are, are huge. Mm. So for them to move from a university to another one, they they take place and they it's a, it's their daily life. While yes. in Italy and and Spain, people generally they they born in a university. They try to remain there their whole lives. So they don't have many external uh, forces, uh, and and they try to stick to their uh, to their area. Yes, makes it, may, it all makes perfect sense to me, at least, uh, and in terms of the uh, the so-called Hofstede model uh, that I'm um, yeah. uh, an, an adept for. So that makes good sense. Now, you said we're going to co- talk about your different experience uh, on a business level, and maybe this is interesting as well to uh, reveal a little bit about ourselves, because we met really accidentally um, when you were in London and I was in London I yeah. was in London for actually doing a, a bit of a lecture and you were in London for a, a conference if I'm not mistaken yeah. and we were yeah. both staying at a Airbnb which was um, I keep forgetting which part of London it was it wasn't East London but anyway it was uh, it was in London and there we met and then you told me all of a sudden that you are a, um, a professor and uh, you study and you also teach you lecture in other words on consumer behavior and yeah. that triggered a 
um, a, a massive trigger for me because I thought that was a that is a very interesting subject. So you are not only a senior lecturer at the University of Bournemouth, but you're also a professor of the Toulouse Business School. And your subjects are consumer decision-making, pricing, and overconfidence. And I think you can link that very much to cultural differences. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, about what you do with consumer decision-making? Exactly. So, yeah, I would like to point out that uh, consumer decision making is a part of consumer behavior, which uh, doesn't focus a lot on theory, like on consumer decision making processes, uh, but focus a lot on uh, the actual behavior. So, um, essentially, in our experiments, which are also in the field, meaning that they are not uh, artificial, yes. we we try to recreate exactly the same situations across culture and we try to see if people behave differently in one country or another to solve exactly or to face exactly the same issue. Mm -hmm. So that's it's, uh, that is pretty interesting because, uh, um, because there are many things which people think that can be standardized like uh, websites or but they are not because uh, people react uh, react quite differently so let me give you an example yes please so um, if you want to uh, to buy a car then uh, often you go to to a website and you have to decide which models you want to buy yes and then there is a sort of a default effect the default effect is the fact that uh, you have a default model which is uh, not the cheapest one mm -hmm. and not the most expensive one mm -hmm. like um, you have the an intermediate model and then of course you can change it and you can you can pick the cheapest or you can pick the most expensive but then you have something in the average as a starting point and we know that people are lazy and generally these are cross culture they tend to they tend to stick to this one unless they really think that they want another type of uh, of car yeah so what what happens is that for some cultures in um, in um, in south of, in south of europe what happens is that people generally stick to what they to what uh, uh, the website suggests uh, and they are okay with a model which is a bit more than the the cheapest one mm -hmm. so they they generally don't switch while for um, for the uk culture and uh, and sweden and all the the countries in the north what happens is that people uh, uh, really don't want to have a pre-decision uh, given by uh, the website uh, so they really rip off that uh, the, um, uh, the the website does not give a, a basic model and they can add what they want uh, but the website already give uh, a model which is uh, a bit more than the basic one and they don't care because they they think that uh, the attributes that the website gave it uh, randomly let's say uh, without knowing these people are, um, are not correct so they are bothered to go back to the basic model and to put what they really want so 
essentially you have to know these things and you and you have based on the ip address you should uh, you should change the website to uh, to go accordingly to what the customer needs and wants so basically if i if i understand this correctly um uh, and you use a bit of jargon there in ip which is the internet protocol or the it's the yeah. address that that a website owner can see uh, where the visitor is coming from so an ip exactly. ad- ip address from Spain would be different from an IP address from, yeah, from the United Kingdom in a way. Easily we can say that uh, if you connect to uh, Volkswagen uh, Spain or Volkswagen uh, Germany, then uh, uh, the, the probably you may infer that this person is German if it is, although mm-hmm. it may be different, but it can be a first clue to know uh, exactly when people are where people are coming from. Of course, you as an Italian can also be in Germany visiting the Volkswagen site. Of course. And then you're Italian, okay, but at, at least the geographical location will give you some some idea. And, and basically what you're saying is that countries like the United Kingdom and Sweden and the Northern European countries want more of an individual individualized um, approach when it comes to cars in this specific example. Exactly, exactly. So they, they really care about uh, creating their own models and they don't want to be bothered by suggestions and by a pre-cooked model which can be suitable for them. Okay. So they, they feel that this is quite intrusive. And like and the, how, how yeah. do you test this? How do you, how do you find out this information? And of course, the difference is, is obvious, but how do you test this? So essentially, we uh, we work with uh, with uh, one uh, company car, and they told us that they receive completely different complaints about the website. Some of people were complaining about the quality of website, but generally. Uh, from the north of Europe, uh, mm-hmm. they received this main complaint uh, in Opel. We uh, we run this. Uh, they received this main complaint that uh, uh, that there was a pre-cooked uh, uh, model of car that they had to to pick, and they could change eventually things. Mm-hmm. But uh, but this was the pre-cooked model. Why nobody? In uh, in uh, in south of uh, of Europe uh, was complaining about that, or maybe one p- one person or two, yeah. and uh, and the other were happy and were saying that uh, it was really friendly to use and it had the, the consumer uh, uh, choose things. So we could infer that uh, that uh, that proposition or offering already uh, a tentative product was helping them instead of hurting them. And and okay, so that makes that's that's a good way of uh, of actually uh, practically measuring this as well. Would you link this to uh, the more individualistic nature of Northern Europe, or could this also be that maybe because um, Spain also scores very high on uncertainty avoidance, which also means or which implies that they tend to be conflict avoidant as well, more so than the than the Brits and the Swedes, for instance. Is it individualism, or would it be the avoidance of conflict? What do you think? Well, uh, for measuring this, we should uh, we should dig a bit more. Uh, I would say that the individualistic part is a is a great huge, mm-hmm. of uh, is a huge weight. Of course, there could be a, a conflict avoidance, uh, but for this, we we would need to to test this in the lab. You know, so essentially, uh, the, the the critical aspect in research is that it's. Uh, 
it's easier to find the main trend in the field uh, but then once you want to depict exactly uh, the what is going on then you should go in the lab so we should uh, we should have uh, a, a sample of people from uh, from Sweden for example and yeah. from Spain and then in the lab having a similar situation and and measuring exactly with question this because uh, you can imagine that here we we use secondary data so we we don't ask anything to sure. these people so it's very difficult to make a tentative explanation but at least you you see a trend and there's a direction in terms of exactly, uh, and, and, exactly. And, and have you done this in other um, fields of research you're talking about cars here but have you done this in other uh, uh, business uh, areas as well well, uh, my my field of research generally is uh, in uh, how the consumer decide, and I, I've done also with hotels and airlines. Okay. Uh, so they, um, in one research that we that is now is now published and it has the label name. Uh, please talk about it. Uh, we show that the effect of popularity on choices. So meaning meaning if. Um, if something is popular, just by being popular, mm -hmm. maybe choose more than other alternatives. So I think that uh, you all know that uh, TripAdvisor mm -hmm. uh, or Booking.com, they always give you, aside from a measure of quality, which is a, a star given by the consumer from one to five, yes. so you have an average measure of quality. And of course, you can dig into this and you can see that this average measure may be a compound measure measure of cleanness, of uh, uh, the quality of food, of the quality of the place, but generally you have a, an average. So you say, okay, this hotel score four out of five. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you have also the number of reviews which is somehow important because of course if you have only two reviews you may think okay so these uh, these five is essentially the sum of the grade given by my mom and my son so <laughs> it's like uh, yeah. uh, five out of five but only two reviews is uh, not trustable exactly so what we what we investigate was the the effect of popularity on choices so essentially what was the minimum number of reviews uh, to consider trustable an alternative uh, like i really believe that this is a four uh, out of five hotel yeah. and we found that it's around 200 meaning that uh, above 200 uh, consumers say okay this is not just the relatives effect or friends effect but there should be something else so it should be that this hotel is really good and then of course we investigated across cultures yes. If the effect of uh, popularity was a shift, uh, or was a um, or was a, uh, a moderating effect, uh, now I tell you specifically an interesting effect that we found. So imagine that uh, that an hotel has only an evaluation of one out of five. Mm -hmm. If you have one out of five, it means that you are really a crap hotel. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if you are really popular. If you have thousands of reviews, it should be it should be yeah. that you are really bad because many many people say that you are really bad. 
Yeah. While, uh, while if you have a few reviews, it may be that these people were biased, were a bit bastard, so they, they, they essentially, it, it may be that, uh, that you were unlucky. So if only four people gave you a, a rating of one, there is a bit more uncertainty. Mm-hmm. While if thousands of people gave a rating of, uh, of one, then Uh, this is more and what we found was that in South Europe Italy and Spain the effect of uh, the effect of uh, many people giving a negative review like uh, a one one star hotel Mm -hmm. compared with another one star hotel with the only difference that one star hotel has many many reviews and the other one has few reviews uh, Mm -hmm. What turned out was that for, uh, for people from South Europe, uh, being popular was always a positive shift. So they preferred an hotel rated one but with many reviews that uh, an hotel rated one but with few reviews, which is counterintuitive because it should be the other way around. Exactly. So, so, th- so what you're saying that if, if in, the, in Southern Europe, if a, ho- a certain hotel gets, uh, say, 200 one-star rating, when, and then using your words, it will be really crappy hotel, it yeah. still would be preferred over a, ho- a hotel that would have, say, five five-star ratings. Exactly. No, 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 not five star rating. It would be, well, let's say, let's say, compare maybe with a two, with a two or a three. Yeah. Right. Not with a five, of okay. course. Fair okay. Enough. There is some limitation, but, uh, but yes. Yeah, so generally, the main trend is this one that popularity counts a lot positively. So it increases the preference for this hotel. So it's an attribute that counts a lot and it's always positive. So even, even when many, many people say that the hotel is really bad in south europe they think that it's valuable to try maybe for either reason think about uh, the ryanair case yeah. so if you check online many people gave a, a bad uh, review of ryanair but then many people want to try because they think that there are hidden factors like the price uh, mm. or or it's it's at least not a ghost uh, a ghost hotel or a ghost uh, <laughs> uh, uh, airlines because if it is uh, if it has a one and it has only 10 reviews you may think okay this place is a ghost place maybe it does not exist so uh, people prefer something if it is popular despite being negatively popular while in in north europe what we found is that uh, when uh, when rated negatively popularity has always a negative effect so meaning that uh, comparing an hotel with one out of five and few reviews with another one of one out of five and many reviews then people prefer the one of one out of five with few reviews because they give the benefit of that meaning that they say okay it may be that this hotel was unlucky but we are not sure 100% like if we we have 1000 of reviews in saying that this hotel is crap Mm. 
and it's interesting because uh, the ranking of uh, uh, of these ranking website like uh, TripAdvisor and Booking.com yeah. is based on what the consumer from North Europe would like. So, like they when they make their ordering, you know that they uh, they rank this hotel. No, they give you they give you a ranking once you look for an hotel in London tonight. Uh, they give you a ranking already. So they put in first page some hotel in yes. second page and we know from research that, that this has a dramatic effect meaning that generally people tend to avoid to go to the third page to the fourth page yeah. so if you are if you are in a in a third or fourth page probably nobody will uh, will see your you don't name exist yes exactly you don't exist so the ranking is really really important and of course uh, if uh, if the ranking is based on a different uh, um, ranking methods from the one that you would like, this may be a problem. So what I'm saying is that uh, people from North Europe have the ranking that they expect. Mm -hmm. So they have a ranking when popularity increases uh, uh, the uh, the value of the assessment, meaning that if it has five star and it's popular, very good, it means it has to be popular. Yes. If it has a one star and it is popular, it means that it has to be bad. Right. So it has to be at the very least of the of the championship. Yes. While uh, while in South Europe, uh, despite having the same ranking, uh, so the the one with uh, many many reviews would be at the very end in TripAdvisor. People seem to prefer this one compared to one with uh, with a low evaluation but few reviews. Yeah. Yeah. So this is another uh, difference that we have from uh, UK and uh, we, we investigate in UK and Sweden again, but uh, yeah, because on, unfortunately in research, what we, the, the trouble that we have is that we have to have colleagues uh, interested in these topics uh, and they have, uh, they have to have a basis of uh, our consumers. But, yes. but you know, so these two countries are quite similar and, um, and Italy and Spain tend to be quite similar in other dimension. So, so that's interesting enough. Okay. I, th I think it's very interesting and I hope actually this, uh, uh, this podcast will help in the population of, uh, of the research research that you actually do. Um, I, I wanted to know also, if that's okay, and move on to uh, pricing, because consumer decision-making, uh, but pricing is a very important thing, uh, I think, in terms of, of decision-making, or maybe isn't it? And, and are the Dutch indeed all stingy, being Dutch myself? Are we cheap? Well, so what uh, what uh, what is a big uh, trend in pricing now is the is the trend of dynamic pricing. So we are we are accustomed now to pay a different price from the exactly same service, like a, a place in the hotel, a place in the airplane, and for the same seats, we know that we may pay differently based on uh, the time when we booked. Uh, at some times ago, this would be uh, perceived extremely unfair to pay more than double than the other person sitting uh, close to, to us. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, 
Essentially, the, the research has, um, has developed in two main areas. From the uh, company side, there was this investigation in terms of revenue management, how to, to manage your revenues in order to increase your profit. And you can see that the use of dynamic pricing helps a lot. So if you, if you can check that tonight you don't have available competitors with available rooms in your area then the idea would be increase your price as much uh, as much as you can because if someone comes and want to sleep a night uh, in uh, southeast of london mm -hmm. then they have uh, very few alternatives uh, so you have to to increase your price uh, yes. in that uh, specific slot Uh, and that's work uh, work pretty fine and uh, and uh, and may increase the the profit of uh, of companies mm -hmm. on the other side from the consumer side mm -hmm. there was the the huge impact of price unfairness meaning that uh, um, this increased uh, the idea that uh, uh, that uh, consumers uh, uh, may have a ripoff when deciding and when paying so there is a concept in uh, in research called uh, reference price mm -hmm. which is the price that we expect uh, of something so we go to the supermarket and we think that the price for a bottle of milk is uh, 1 euro 50 mm -hmm. Then when we enter in the supermarket, this is our reference. So if the price is two euro, we feel a sense of ripoff and we say, okay, there was a price increase unexpected. So are there reasons for this or it uh, is just a supermarket? So what happened to the whole chain? Why the price increased of a uh, 50%? So this, this may be, there may be a question. And, um, and well, Across cultures, again, uh, the impact of, uh, of an increase or a decrease of prices uh, uh, is perceived quite differently. So in, uh, in South of Europe, uh, again in Italy and Spain, uh, we are less, uh, we are less uh, ready to accept uh, the idea of dynamic pricing. Less and ready to accept. Yeah, yeah, less ready to accept. So it's perceived like a um, fair, a ripoff. So although companies are trying to give explanations much more, like they are trying to personalize the service in order that you can't say that uh, the price was exactly the same. So they may say, okay, but look, this guy is a, a you had a balcony, this guy didn't that, so it's not exactly the same. So they find, uh, they find, uh, mm, they, they try to find additional small services uh, like giving the Wi-Fi for free or something like this in order to justify an increase of prices, maybe in a hotel. So, Despite trying to do this, uh, the, the South consumer, let's say, is not ready to accept, uh, to accept uh, dynamic pricing. Maybe because uh, in, South, uh, in South of Europe there is a, a, a lower um, acceptance of the pure technology sources, so they st uh, many, many people still prefer to book through um, travel agencies, yes. not online travel 
travel agency face to face booking face to face booking yeah. so you know when when there is face to face involved uh, the feeling of ripoff is uh, is uh, is uh, is there because you think that okay so if i have to pay more but you told me that i had to pay this price so essentially in one of my research uh, i i show that uh, the fact that uh, an anonymous source uh, give you a different price uh, like the internet giving us a different price mm -hmm. uh, is accepted much more than a social source meaning a friend a colleague the, the travel agency in person so because uh, in south of europe uh, people tend to book through a uh, travel agency in person uh, more than uh, relying on online systems then this increase uh, the sense of ripoff when they discover that they pay more than uh, than appear so imagine we we go to the um, the Ca caribbean islands and then we discover there that uh, that our um, our our colleagues paid less because they booked through online or because the the agency found a special discount and and this is perceived a lot as a, as a, an unfairness and people really complain about this when they go back home they go to the agency and they say oh look i found other people paying less than me this is unfair and um, so what i'm saying is that uh, in north of europe and also in, U in us people uh, uh, now they don't complain a lot unless unless there is a clear unfairness uh, meaning that you book the same time so for example people and this is consistent across uh, across europe people really really don't like that from the same service uh, you pay a different price based on the country when you are uh, where you are booking so essentially right. if i want to to buy now a, a plane from a long to Milan and I'm based in UK I generally may pay a different price yes. that if I buy now exactly the same flight London Milan not Milan London the same flight yeah. London Milan in the exactly the same schedule in the exactly the same moment of time but just because I'm based in Italy now and I'm not based in London so this is perceived unfair because uh, there there is no uh, a possible reason for this behavior because if I book tomorrow then I can say okay the airline had what they more so they uh, they may need uh, to increase the price for some reason so it has uh, to be booking. identical exactly yeah. exactly why well, now it should be identical it, it is not and this is consistent across uh, across consumers in the north and in the south I, yeah. it's um it, it's 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 amazing i was just thinking when you were ex when you were explaining this you're currently between torino and milano and i'm in uh, close to brussels we could actually do this experiment here live uh yeah. we're not going to but i've never thought of it like that really um is just a, we're about 30 uh, 30 minutes and a bit in the interview um and I've, I have a couple more questions to ask you because, yeah. and I think you have a zillion stories to tell very quickly because in your bio or in your introduction, we mentioned that you're also, um, the word overconfidence comes in there. What, what can you quickly tell us about overconfidence when it comes to different cultures? Overconfidence of what? 
<laughs> so overconfidence is a subject that is very interesting because it uh, it investigates uh, how people uh, um, sometimes when making decisions are uh, are biased and what i find in in my research is that uh, uh, people tend to be generally biased uh, across uh, across europe but what happens is that uh, because uh, people from North Europe know that they would be biased, they generally rely on um, the advice of technology. Hmm. So let me be clear yes. about this point. So essentially, if you, are, if you are in a company, you generally need to make forecasts about uh, about the future so you have to uh, you have to assess uh, your revenues uh, and uh, you have to to have a, a cash a cash a cash flow in the future so you need uh, you need to to do things in capital budgeting so essentially you need to um, to set up what is going to happen in the future because you need to ask money to the bank so you need to have a, a in mind what may be the the, um, the investment what what can be the investment in the future so you need to you need to make some assessment and essentially people are extremely overconfident when making these assessments so they say okay so uh, i was um, i was this is a bad advertising for uh, for my for my city but we need to solve it and i really i really want to solve it i arrived in bournemouth airport um, and they, they had a, a marketing plan to have more than 3 million passengers per year in 2014. And they made it like two years ago. Yeah. And it was clear that 3 million passengers was impossible to reach because they started from 600,000. And of course, it was very difficult to reach this amount of people in only two years. An ambitious goal. An ambitious goal. Yes. So essentially what happens? It happens that uh, people are like this. So people, when, when making predictions about business, uh, to, especially, so there, there is a sort of um, heuristic bias, uh, meaning that, uh, that there is a, a sample selection problem. So uh, people who decide to become an entrepreneur uh, generally are people who are overconfident. So they, they trust that they can make it. But there is a difference, a subtle difference between optimism and overconfidence, because if you, if you make unrealistic predictions, then of course, you make investments and you may go in bankrupt if you are not able to sustain your investment. Mm -hmm. So essentially what I'm telling you is that the effect of overconfidence is consistent among, among, among Europe, but what happens is that generally in North Europe people recognize that they tend to be overconfident. So what they do is that they use technological advice mm -hmm. to help them to make predictions. So in a small companies, this is like a, a software which based on past predictions uh, 
tells you what is going to happen more or less so uh, essentially it uh, studies other type of companies uh, uh, who did your same business uh, uh, some years ago it studied the market more generally so based on several informations about your area about uh, about what uh, what you specifically do about uh, your capital decisions uh, it gives you prediction about what is going to happen then of course you can you can uh, rely on this uh, information technology advice or you can uh, you can simply decide to do what you have in mind but this gives you a sort of assessment that you you may take into consideration before making your forecast mm -hmm. and what happens is that uh, uh, with the advice of forecast uh, uh, people are tremendously more accurate uh, in making predictions in the north you would say or it's only due to technology the, and the north northern europe tends to use more technology exactly right. it is the second so essentially If you, if you see the general effect, in the north people are more accurate. And you may think that people are more accurate because they are less overconfident. But in fact it is not. It is just that people are aware that they are overconfident, so they try to use technology in order to avoid mm. that they are overconfident. Why in the south, generally in the small companies, people don't rely at all in, in um, softwares and computer technology in general, so they make their own assessment, and these other assessments are inflated by a good dose of overconfidence. That's, that's tremendously interesting. It's, it's The, the 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 question pops up in my mind is 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 the north northern europe better than the than southern europe then well let's say that um that my impression is that they are not better but they are uh, in some sense uh, uh more humble so they in in some occasion they they do agree that uh, they are not uh, they are not uh, good uh, good evaluators uh, so they they may accept uh, external help while um, And this goes a bit against, you remember, if we go at the, at the top of our, at the beginning of our discussion, we yeah. talked about uh, individualistic behavior. So the fact that people are individualistic in the North does not mean that people uh, uh, don't understand that they may be wrong. Hmm. So they, they may accept this uh, and, uh, and if, if this may increase their profits in the case of a company then they they accept to use the technological implementation it could also be simply that uh, that uh, like we said before about online travel agency and uh, uh, traditional travel agency there is a general tendency in the north of europe to accept more technology to rely more technology they know more Uh, they know something more about technology, they use it more, so they are not scared about technology yeah. and they think it can be a companion. Yes. While in the South, uh, the general idea is that technology may be something uh, which is external, which is out of control, uh, and you have to give up to technology, so you don't want to do that and you want to have a perfect sense of control. But, uh, but this sense of control is biased because we know that you 
human judgment is biased mm-hmm. and that can have a, a, a tremendous effect in terms of bankruptcy or or on problems in uh, in society yeah very interesting um uh, You're you're a man of academic, uh, uh, how do you say, uh, brain <laughs> or education, really? But you also try to try to make it as practical as possible. Yeah, sure. If you if you would be able to give retailers uh, and other business people advice uh, on 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 how they would run their business, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah. So, for example, one exa- one clear example is uh, personalizing your item. So. What what would uh, would be the output of my research mm-hmm. is that people in the north of Europe they would really care about personalizing their item. We said about the car that they want the basic model and they want to put their own stuff in the car. That would imply that if I want to buy a T-shirt, I would pay for personalization. Meaning, okay, you give me the basic white T-shirt. And I decide myself what to put on the T-shirt to personalize it and to make it mine. While in South of Europe, what would happen is that these personalizes uh, add-ons uh, would not be so appreciated. Mm-hmm. So they would like to have uh, um, a standard model and uh, which is a bit more enriched than the, the, the basic one and then to add, uh, to add stuff uh, uh, maybe um, but as a secondary goal so okay. I would uh, I would say that um, retailers should pay attention to uh, these different cultures should integrate more what uh, what research is saying but general research not um, not theory based and uh, and uh, and uh, pure academic research but uh, but uh, experiments which are applied and are in the field uh, may be interested for for companies and also an int for companies this is a, an advertising for me but okay so the int should be that companies should not be scared of giving us data and of giving us their customers because we we don't care about giving this data to the other competitors of the company so we care about uh, knowing the mechanism and how people decide so we use the always data in anonymous form mm-hmm. we don't we don't use the data of the company so it's interesting also for companies uh, to uh, to give us uh, their sample because for free as academics we do it for free so they don't have to pay market research to do that for free we can we can try to see sometimes they are uh, they are struggling in which kind of items they have to add to their uh, uh, to their product or their service and we we really want to to understand why okay yes. so so it would be nice uh, to be more um, so there is a general there is a general sense of avoiding uh, giving data like if we, if we were competitors but mm-hmm. we we are really not no you're not that makes good sense uh, well that is maybe the perfect bridge to um, sort of wrapping up this uh, this interview this yeah. this very interesting inter- interview if people want to get in touch with you where can they find you and how could they best get in touch with you 
Okay, so they could uh, they could write me an email. So my personal, I can give my personal email because I'm I'm switching uh, uh, institutions. So it may be that uh, if I gave my my personal uh, uh, email of my institution, uh, they may be wrong. I may not yep. receive it. So my my personal email is uh, Giampaolo written with uh, with the M dot Viglia at gmail dot com. So dot v g it's like v- at gmail.com yeah, exactly so it's a uh, let me just repeat that and spell that out again it's a giampaolo that's j i a m p a o l o dot v i g l i a at gmail.com Perfect. Okay, Perfect. but you can also um, the listeners can also find find everything that we talked about and also the the, the, the possible links, uh, including your email address. They can find that on culturematters.com slash zero one three because we are in episode number thirteen at this moment. Giampaolo, it's been a, a real pleasure talking to you. I think we could continue. This is one of the longest podcasts I've ever recorded, really, um, nice. because I think I think it's just a, such a fascinating subject. Um, be sure to um, to keep in touch. Uh, or otherwise I will keep in touch because I know you're working on a bit of research that maybe in the future might be interesting to uh, actually come back to the Culture Matters podcast and report on that make sense? Sure, sure, it would be nice to see in two three years uh, if this phenomenon still holds or people get accustomed to it so they change their behavior, it would be semi nice to see in the long run what is going to happen. Absolutely, thank you so much again, have a great day and I'm sure we'll talk in the future Okay, thank you, Chris, and bye-bye. Bye. What a fantastic piece of information, or lots and lots of information when it comes to consumer behavior, consumer decision, pricing, and uh, and being overconfident, all placed within the context of cultural differences. Um, thank you, Gianpaolo, again for the interview. If you do like what uh, it's being done here at the Culture Matters Podcast, I would really appreciate if you would uh, give give me a five-star rating on iTunes. Tell me what you think. Um, go to iTunes, search for Culture Matters, the podcast there, and leave your re- review and your rating there. I'll be back really soon with another guest on the Culture Matters Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.